G'day everyone, this is Greg Ryan and welcome to episode 25 of Rare and Resilient 1 in 5,000 podcast where we're talking IARM. and today we are joined by Carlo from New York who's 37 year old adult who's lived with IA all his life and his story is in the book, story number 123 on page 274 and Carlo, welcome to the podcast. Sure. I want to say uh, thank you for inviting me to be a part of your podcast. I appreciate that. Uh, it's wonderful, mate. The more adults we have, the better, I believe, to share their stories. I agree. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to read my story for everyone. So the title of my section is simply my story. I am one in 5,000. It's sort of like being part of a secret society that only a few people get to be a part of. However, being born with this rare congenital birth defect has taken me on an interesting journey throughout my life. It's been a journey that only a few people out there could relate to, but I would like to share what my personal dealings with this defect are and what it's been like for me. I was born premature in April of 1984 at St. Joseph's Hospital in Queens, New York. I was immediately transferred to New York Hospital where I went under the knife less than 24 hours after being born to have a colostomy placed. I would have this colostomy for a few years before I underwent reversal surgery and had the PSARP performed on me by a general pediatric surgeon, Dr. Frank Rado at New York Hospital. It was quite a journey for my parents to raise a child where there was extraordinarily little known about imperforate anus and how to properly care for a child born with this defect. They knew of no other parents who had a child born with this defect, which they could have relied on for support and reassurance. It would not be until 35 years later, my mother would finally meet other parents whose children were born with IA at a picnic organized by members of a local Facebook IA group. It was also my first time meeting others born with the same birth defect as myself. As a young child, I knew I had been born without an anal opening and I had surgery to correct it. My parents made sure to let me know about my medical history at a young age. I was also diagnosed with hearing loss by the age of five and I had to wear a hearing aid. With the hearing aid, I could not hide my disability. My peers were able to see the hearing aids sitting on my ear, and I would always be asked about it. I knew it was different from all my peers early on, dealing with this double whammy. I was not able to hide from both, and my occasional accidents were embarrassing to admit. The one incident that always stuck out in my memory, where I could distinctly remember I was truly different from my peers, was when I was in pre-K. I remember it was during our playtime and I was running around having fun with my classmates when all of a sudden I had an accident. I remember feeling too embarrassed to let my teacher know I had pooped myself. So I did not say anything. I just continued playing with my peers while I was completely soiled. I remember being woken up during my nap time by one of the aides in the classroom and having to go with her to the bathroom so she could help me clean up and change into a clean set of clothes. I remember she had left the bathroom door open and seeing other classes walk by while I had no pants on. I felt completely ashamed others had seen me like that. 
it was at that exact moment I realized I was completely different from others. I knew I had to protect myself from others by keeping my condition a secret as a way of coping with my defects. One of the major ways of coping with my IA early on was through music. My father always had New York oldies stations, CBS FM, playing in the car whenever he was driving anywhere. I was always entrenched to the sounds of Elvis Presley, Dion and the Belmonts, Carl Perkins, and so many other greats from the 1950s whose music came blaring out of those car speakers. It was in that car I realized how powerful music was in helping me feel better about myself. I realized that through music, I was able to escape the reality of dealing with my disability and escape from myself. As I came into my teenage years, I discovered my own music, punk rock. It was music created by other young teenage kids who also felt like they were different and did not necessarily fit in with their peers. These outcasts sang with a purposeful message about being different from everyone else and that it was okay to not fit in with others. Just simply be proud of yourself and embrace your uniqueness. This kind of message truly spoke right to my core as a kid coming of age. I finally felt like I belonged somewhere and that it was okay to be different. This loud, fast music spoke to me like nothing else had ever done. This was my drug of choice. I knew I could always rely on it to help me feel better about myself. There were bands whose messages were anti-drugs and anti-alcohol, and their message helped me steer clear away from those two things at a young age. I never needed to rely on substances to deal with my embarrassing birth defect. Simply dropping the needle on a record was all the high I needed to make myself feel good. As a result, I became a fanatical record collector and still am to this day. Going into my late 20s, my IA became more of a challenge to deal with. All of a sudden, I started having more issues with bowel control. Up to that point in my life, I was very fortunate to have been able to have incredible control of my bowel with a few occasional accidents. I was never put on any bowel management program. My doctors never presented this option to my parents. We had no clue such a thing existed that could help me stay clean and empty. However, as I reached my late 20s, I found myself having to go to the bathroom way more frequently than I did when I was a child. This problem got progressively worse as I came into my 30s. I was just simply too embarrassed to approach any of my doctors with this problem. I felt they would not understand what the problems were. Dealing with my confidence issues would take a turn for the better when I discovered various IA groups on Facebook. In one of the groups, I met a few local mothers who had created their own private local group where they would all interact with other local families who had a child born with IA. These mothers accepted me as an adult with IA in their little group with open arms. It was through some of these amazing human beings I found a local pediatric colorectal physician who agreed to treat me as an adult patient. After going through a few tests, we tried bowel management by taking x chocolate squares. This turned out to be a nightmare. As I was going to the bathroom two to three times an hour for six hours straight, the day after taking it, I was unable to get anything done at work, and I became even more stressed out with my continence issues. We figured out I had hypermotility, and the standard squares exacerbated the situation. The next thing we decided to try was 
Bennett Fiber every night before going to bed. This made all the difference for me. It helped me to get a much better bowel movement every morning. It's not perfect, but I'm able to empty out better and I'm feeling more cleaned out than I have before. These days in my mid-30s, I no longer feel embarrassed about my birth defects. I tell others about my condition in hopes of spreading awareness about this rare congenital condition. Educating others about this malformation can help take away the taboo of talking about it. I feel that there should be no shame in the fact I had no control over how I was born. After all, I am one in 5,000, and there is nothing wrong with that. Well done. How does it feel to read that all back? You know, I've read it many times since it was published, and uh, I've read other stories in the group, in the book. So it's just uh, to be reading it out loud, it just felt like I was really living, writing that for the first time. Your story resonates so much with myself and so many other adults because of what we grew up with. We all were in that secret society, weren't we, really? Because we mm-hmm. didn't have the the doctor's awareness of the emotional toll that it was taken on us all. Oh, yeah. I mean, I remember every day, I mean, every year, the first day of school, my mom would drop off a uh, bag with extra underwears in it to the nurse. And I always felt embarrassed by that. <laughs> yes. We'd do everything we could to try and um, camouflage if we had an accident. You know, it's just uh, growing up, my parents never had the uh, information that most parents have these days. You know, they didn't have the internet when I was growing up. So information was very limited. I just talk about the group you joined. That that was the Long Island group. There's some wonderful oh. people there. Oh, absolutely beautiful personalities in that group. I felt like they took me right in, and that was a huge blessing for me, and especially my mother, who never got to meet other parents who had a child born like I was. You know, it was a, it was a beautiful thing when we all got to meet each other for the first time. How did you go emotionally when you saw the kids? Because I know. I just burst into tears when I first met kids with IA. Yeah. When I first saw all these kids running and interacting with each other, I just felt, I felt happy, you know, just yep. like here are all these kids all together, realizing for the first time that they're not alone, that they have other people they can rely on. Yeah, and you're right. Understand exactly what they're going through. Yeah, it makes so much difference, doesn't it? Oh, it does. It really does. So did many of your friends, when you were growing up, know about your IA or did you just keep it totally secret? Uh, I grew up with two very close friends who I consider to be as a as brothers to me. So those two friends, I told them about it and they understood it and uh, didn't judge me on it. You know, when I had my accident, they just took it with stride and just helped me along. That's wonderful. And uh, family members, all, they all knew about it. Nothing was hidden from family. Okay. How did you cope the thing at school when you had the accidents? In school, I would try to uh, tell the teacher that I need to be excused from class. And uh, I would go to the nurse's office. Uh, the nurse would have a private bathroom, so I was able to have the bathroom all to myself. And that made a big difference as opposed to being in the uh public restroom with other stalls where I didn't get that privacy. And how did you go through high school when you're a little bit older and it becomes a lot more, 
I suppose, sensitive around others? Throughout high school, I mean, in my teenage years, I had incredible bowel control. I was one of the lucky few who had control of the bowels in some ways. But uh, a lot of times when I had to go, I would just tell the teacher, raise my hand, I need to go to the bathroom. Uh, the teachers knew ahead of time that I had a colorectal issue, so they knew whenever I had to go, they just let me go without any arguments with me. I can't emphasize enough how important the having the school be aware and the teachers be aware of the the condition, how that makes so much difference, doesn't it? Yes. I mean, here in America, a lot of public schools have a personal um, educational plan for each student. An IEP is called Individual Education Plan for each student with a disability. And by law, they have to accommodate those students in any way they can. Oh, that's good. Now, you you got married last year, didn't you? Yes, I did. I got married in uh, September of 2021. Been a blessing, you know, to meet this beautiful person in my life. And what's your wife's name? My wife's name is Renee. When you first met Renee, how did you deal with talking to her about your condition? Uh, I came out telling Renee about my my condition about like early on in the relationship, about two months in. So I felt like if I was going to be in a relationship with someone, I might as well just be open and honest about it. Yes. And, uh, if it was a condition that they wouldn't want to deal with, then, you know, it was early on in a relationship where they can walk away and there's no hard emotion. But she stuck to me right, right away and just supported me in every step of the way. Well, that's fantastic. And it makes such a difference, doesn't it? Mentally, it does. And we're, all of us adults are the same. It's that one issue that when we're growing up, we think, oh, how are we, we going to deal with it if we get partners and all that? It's, it's, <laughs> it becomes front of mind, doesn't it? Yes, it does. But I've learned as I've gotten older, it's, the more open you are about things and the more honest you are about it, people tend to accept you more. That's from my own personal experience. I totally agree. It takes us a long time sometimes, but once we get there, it's very uh, gratifying, isn't it, to release the burden? Oh, yeah. You don't feel that weight on your shoulders anymore. And how have you gone with working life? It hasn't restricted you with work? Uh, You know, I'm fortunate enough to work in the health industry here in America, in New York. Um, I've been very open about my condition with my managers and my coworkers. So they tend to be more accepting and understanding of it. Oh, that that so would be very important. When I'm disappearing from my desk for a while, I'm most likely in the restroom. <laughs> That's another important factor. Like you sound like you picked the right uh, the right industry to go into. <laughs> yes, I mean I work for a urology department of all places. Uh, I deal with the uh, clinical supply end of the, the practice. All right, okay. Uh, Purchasing things for doctors that they need to care for their patients. And how's your how's it going at the moment? How are things going on your your regime? It works fine. Back in early summer of 2021, I started using the Peristine system, and that's worked wonders for me. I mean, I do it every other day as opposed to every day. I found it is my body just tends to handle it better. Trial and error. Yep. 
it's a good example to to let people know, especially parents of younger kids, that not necessarily it's all hard and you have to deal with everything every day because it sounds like you really got through school and your teenage years remarkably well and you had things to some extent under control. Everyone is different. I've learned that very early on when I discovered all these Facebook groups. I mean, we all deal with the same thing, but everyone's very unique in their individual cases. No two people are the same. Exactly. And that's and that can be the frustrating part because you're trying to help people, but one it goes from one one extreme to the other. I mean, what we're working on now, and and I I'm definitely appreciate you reaching out to all these physicians throughout the world in the colorectal field and trying to get them to listen to us and all our differences. And I think it's starting to pay you off in some ways. You know, we still have a long way to go, but uh, I feel like you know the more honest we are in talking about it as adults, people will listen to us more, I feel. And that's where we're very fortunate that a lot of the leading colorectal surgeons in the world who specialize in IARM are open to listening to the adult experiences. Oh, yeah. I mean, I didn't realize how bad others had it until we got involved in different Facebook groups. And I just realized, you know, everyone is just completely different. I mean, for me, I've been very fortunate where I've had some control as opposed to others who don't. And that's where my heart breaks for those people. Yeah. Like I want to reach out to them and just give them a hug. You know, we're here for each other. (laughs) That's right. And your prime example, parents and young kids now of how life can work out exactly like you wanted. Look, you know, you're now married, happily married, you're working, you've got a system that works. Oh yeah. You know, one of my goals, I mean, you have kind of, you've inspired me to realize this, that, uh, you know, for us as adults, we had to go through the trial and errors with very limited information. And now we're all together and we have this vast information that we didn't have before. And we we have to be the voice for these kids for for their future care. You know, and I feel like it's part of our responsibility to be heard and just make sure that doctors out there are listening to us and hearing what our experiences are and then speaking to other parents and telling them like, you know, we understand that at that moment in their life that they're concerned for their kids. But in the long run, I think things will work out, you know. Yeah. Just that fear of the unknown. Uh, absolutely. That bothers and, people. And that's really good advice, Carlo. And I'm sure the parents will feel very comfortable. And the one thing I listening to the adults, I think we give parents hope as well. And that's what I hope to do, you know. I'm not looking to scare parents, you know. I just want them to realize, listen, my mother and my father, they went through it. They raised me no different than any other siblings that I have. I have one sister. And, you know, as long as you love your kids, you show them the world, you just guide them through it, everything will be okay for the most part. <laughs> that's right. Everybody has their bumps <laughs> in the road and... Just sometimes with anyone with IA, you just have a few more bumps to contend with, unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, growing up, for me, I think the more embarrassing part was uh, changing clothes for uh, physical education, where I had to take off my shirt and actually 
then other students seeing my physical scars where I had to collapse them, you know, my stomach. You know, I was kind of embarrassed by that. But then over time, I just realized, you know what? This is just a part of my life. I just embrace it. You've got a wonderful attitude, Carlo. And you and I have been speaking for the last few years, and it's been wonderful to talk to another adult. The conversations that the adults have are different to the ones that we would have with parents and kids. Yeah. I love speaking with the other adults in the group that you run, and it's been uh, wonderful because I feel that connection with others that I don't have with my friends. You know, these are people that are strangers to me, but at the same time, I feel like I've known them my whole life. There's that familiarity that really brings it all together. I like to say that we're all of us are brothers and sisters all over the world. Yes, we are all brothers and sisters. I always say that. (laughs) (laughs) If you were giving advice to a young Carlo who's six or seven years old now, what would you say to that little boy who's got IA? Just embrace yourself. Just be uh, proud of who you are. Don't listen to the bullies out there. Just be proud of what you accomplished and just continue fighting on good things will come that's what i would tell myself (laughs) oh that's great well and they definitely come for you and that's the most important thing yeah something greg i wanted to say is that uh i think with us sharing our stories i mean i'm at the age group where my peers are still having kids you know and uh you know by chance they might have a child born with this condition and then not realizing, oh, wait, I know someone who was born with this. Let me reach out to that person. You know, I, uh, I learned through one of the, uh, that Long Island IA group, one of, the, one of the friends I went to high school with, they had a child born with IA. And I didn't know that until I joined that Long Island groups. Oh, really? So it's just a, yeah, it's a small world. So it's just a, and I reached out to them and I said, listen, you know, if you have any questions or concerns, just feel free to reach out to me. And I'll answer any questions they have. Oh, that's fantastic, mate. That really is. The more we talk about it, the more we educate people about it, the better it is. People become more accepting of it, more aware of it. And that's the, I think that's the goal you've been working towards, and it's been working wonders. Hearing every, all the other podcasts and hearing everyone say, thank you, Greg, thank you. You've opened the doors for everyone. I mean, that took a lot of guts and courage from you alone, you know. Well, it took me 53 years. First step, I applaud you big time. I mean, you made me realize I'm not alone in this either. Oh, that's great, mate. No, I really appreciate it. So, Carlo, I can't thank you enough for being so open and honest. I think your story is going to be so welcomed by so many parents around the world. Even though you have had your challenges, you've come through it really well and I can't thank you enough for you sharing your story, mate. Thank you for letting me speak with you. It's my pleasure, mate. Bye-bye. Bye.